We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind and Allstate. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Welcome into a mobile edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast, Two Guys on the Road. Uh, I'm getting ready for a road trip to Arizona, and Toby Rowland is on the road to Arlington? That's right. Globe Life Field in Arlington. The Sooners uh, playing UTA tonight, looking for a bounce-back win. And I'm looking forward to getting my first look at this new baseball stadium down here. Hey, can you, just for the sake of people that don't understand this commitment that you've made, can you take us through what the travel schedule is like for the next couple of weeks for one Toby Rowland? Isn't it getting a little hairy here over the next few days? And I know you're excited about it. Yeah, well, the people who know are always an interesting, extra fun time for us. And we're in the uh, overlap of basketball and, and the start of baseball season right now. So, um, yeah, we're in, a, we're in a pretty good stretch here. We got, uh, we got let's see. Uh, I think we go back to last Saturday. We had uh-huh. basketball, Sunday baseball, Monday baseball, Tuesday basketball, tonight baseball in Arlington. <laughs> uh, tomorrow's Rudy's Coach in show. Norman. Right. Then Saturday basketball in Norman. Sunday I'm going to go down to Round Rock with the baseball team. Uh, they take on Baylor. And then Monday night we're in Stillwater for Bedlam. <laughs> And then Big 12 tournament around the corner. uh, Yeah, yeah, not quite yet. But, yeah, I don't remember after that, to be honest with you. I talked to uh, my wife last night. Uh, She – well, actually, it was this morning. She was getting up and getting ready to go to work, and I said, just a reminder, I'm in Arlington tonight. And she goes, you're where? I said, I'm going to Arlington tonight. 
and she, I said, I think we've talked about this, but I'm not 100% sure. And she goes, just let me know when basketball season's over. I'll see you then. So <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> but it's fun. I mean, we love what we do, and uh, I'm excited to see uh, if this baseball team can get a win tonight. Obviously, you've got a busy time, T-Row. Uh, the Coach's Show will be on the podcast. We've got Bill Biedenboe as part of the huddle, which will be uh, dropping on Saturday. But, man, what a, what a tough one last night for the SoU basketball team. Man, there's just something about Manhattan that doesn't. It just – it's not connecting whenever the Sooners go there. A Final Four team went there and lost. That one just – that hurt last night. Yeah, that was um, – that was an uncharacteristic kind of a clunker of a performance – this season for that team and they, they really haven't had one of those uh yet and if they've had a maybe a stretch or a half where they haven't looked really good but a whole game like that they haven't thrown one of those in and I don't know I think you could point to a variety of things I think uh, it is the end of a three-game conference road trip and they haven't played a home game Saturday they'll be at home against OSU that'll be uh, three weeks since they've played their last home game. Wow. So they've been on the road and, and dealing with postponements and cancellations, getting on flights and hotels. And so I don't know if that had anything to do with it. I thought they looked a little lethargic. You know, they've been uh, great this year at taking the fight to the opponent. They remind me of one of those, UFC fighters that when the bell dings, they go chasing the other guy across the ring. <laughs> That's what they've been. They're so aggressive with Harkless and Gibson and Harmon and everybody. And they didn't seem to have that same zing last night. And I think you've also got to give some credit to Kansas State. Um, Kansas State uh, plays a style that without a doubt the evidence is there gives Oklahoma problems and it is not a lot of fun to watch but they walk it up they hold it until the end of the shot clock and then take a shot and they take the air out of the basketball and and make it a low scoring kind of methodical choppy game and then they d up they play really good defense and for whatever reason um the Sooners have really struggled against them, home and away, but especially in Manhattan through the years. And then you got to give credit to Mike McGurl. I mean, OU's up six with a couple of minutes to go and looking pretty good. And on senior night, their only senior hits three straight three-pointers. And uh, that was the difference in the game. So all of that, you add it all up, and it's a disappointing night. But um, they – chance to bounce back Saturday against uh, their in-state rivals and and uh, everybody feel better then. A um, couple more quick ones, because I didn't have a problem with it, and I thought you made a great point this morning. I know a lot of people saw the postponement yesterday of the Baylor-West Virginia game and thought, whoa, are they, are they ducking people? But it makes a lot of sense. You know what? They had seven games to make up. So when the Big 12 released its schedule and we knew Oklahoma and Oklahoma State were playing on Monday and Oklahoma and Texas were going to add it to that next Thursday, some fans, I think, were mad um, that that Oklahoma's not playing Baylor, but I don't really think they're doing Baylor any favors by this made-up schedule, are they? I don't think so. I mean, they've got – I don't know how it worked. I, w- I would love to know how it worked. Right. Um, 
they had seven games to make up and they had space for three in that uh, in that in between week between the end of the season and, and the conference tournament. So I don't know how the process was to decide what three games were going to be selected. It doesn't look to me like they just went and picked the three easiest games. Right. Uh, they've got to go to Morgantown, and they've got to play Texas Tech, and and Oklahoma State's the other game. So that that's you know that's no piece of cake right there. I don't know if Baylor had any say so in it. I don't think so. But this is uncharted territory before, so I would love to know the process. Maybe they drew them out of a hat for all I know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I would love to know the process. I Oklahoma had two games to make up. Right. Tex, Texas and Baylor. And I know that they would have made their voices heard that they they wanted to play at least one of them because they didn't want to go from next Monday, the, the, the game in Stillwater, until the following Thursday without playing a game. That'd be a week and a half without playing a game at your most criti- critical time of the year. And and they wouldn't want that. So I'm sure that they made it known. We'd love to play both of our games, at least one. Please don't make us go a week and a half. So it felt like the Texas game was more likely. Texas has a lot of – I think they've got four to make up. And they're not going to be able to get them all in either. But that's less than Baylor. So just the percentages there – you know, it felt like maybe the Texas game was going to be more likely, and it, as it turns out, that's the game we get. We get mm-hmm. uh, Texas in Norman on March 4th, uh, which, I don't know, that might be good, that might be bad. I don't know how it's going to play out, but they won't play that Baylor game. So OU will play 17 conference games instead of the full 18, and then we'll see. Maybe, uh, maybe they'll see the Bears up in Kansas City. Toby, I know you're traveling. I know this is a crazy stretch, um, but have a blast calling baseball. Some people, by the time that they probably hear this podcast, the baseball game's already happened, but uh, enjoy Bedlam this weekend, baseball on Sunday, Bedlam on Monday. This is a, this is a great time for OU Athletics, regardless of the tough night on, what would that be, Tuesday night. What a f- softball. I mean, we've got JT coming up here in a second. What a great time this is right now. It really is. There's something going on every day. <laughs> And a lot of days there's, you know, multiple games for us to watch as Sooner fans. You're flipping back and forth between basketball and softball or baseball or gymnastics or whatever the case may be. So it is a great time of the year. Toby, have a safe travel uh, to Arlington. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday. All right. Thanks, Chris. All right. So we mentioned JT Gasso's coming up here in just a bit, as is KJ Kindler. But we didn't get the post-game show last night uploaded from the Kansas State loss uh, there was some some issues with getting it uploaded uh, uploaded from Jefferson City, so I figured now would be a good time to hear the post game comments of head coach Lon Kruger after the Sooners' tough loss to Kansas State. Here's Lon Kruger with Toby and Kevin from the post game show last coach night. Coach Kruger joins us live from Manhattan tonight. Coach, what was your assessment of this one? Where to get away? Yes, uh, you know it's not uh, just too many stretches where we just uh, gave away opportunities to uh, make plays. I thought, uh, again, they, you know, opened the second half sharper and more aggressive. And then we had a good stretch. We're down five, and we uh, have a really good stretch defensively and, and uh, take a five-point lead out of four minutes. And then uh, we didn't get to the three-point shooters. McGurl uh, made some shots uh, late, and he's done that all his career. And we've got to do a better job of getting there and making him bounce it instead of uh, catch and shoot. So, 
it was a grind all night, and uh, we didn't, uh, you know, play nearly well well enough to win a game on the road. Coach, it seemed like Brady had some good looks, just couldn't quite get him to fall. What was what was his uh, mindset throughout this one, and what do you think? He had some good looks. He had some good looks, and uh, you know, he's obviously not shooting the ball with much confidence right now, but that's what uh, he just needs to see one go in and uh, you know get his confidence back and stay aggressive and uh, make a few of those. The assist numbers have been now down the last couple of games, Coach, and it just feels like maybe there's a little more one-on-one in your offense. Is that something Kansas State forced you into, or is that just something you need to remedy? I thought we got down in the paint several times and took tough shots instead of getting down in the paint and making one extra pass. So we need, we need to make that one extra pass uh, better. You know, this is a club that's moved the ball pretty well on the year, and, uh, and like you say, we didn't do that tonight. We've got to do a better job of that. Coach, is there a – fine line between what Austin's doing from an individual standpoint and getting those assists? Yeah, there is. We, we didn't have much going tonight other than Austin there. And, uh, sometimes you kind of go with what gives you the best chance. And, um, you know, I thought, you know, other guys didn't shoot the ball very well tonight. Uh, Austin gave us a big lift there in the second half and was aggressive. And uh, you know, he's got to make some decisions at times when he gets down there in the crowd to, to make that one extra pass, too. Coach, safe travels getting home. It's going to be nice to be back in the Lloyd Noble Center, I know, for your team on Saturday. We appreciate your time. You bet. Thanks, Toby. Thanks, Kevin. Sooners will look to bounce back on Saturday against Oklahoma State. They'll turn around and play Monday against Oklahoma State. And the rescheduled game against Texas is coming up on Thursday. As as I'm taping this right now, there is no start time yet for that Thursday game between Oklahoma and Texas. But you can find the full schedule right now at Soonersports.com. All right, before we sit down with J.T. Gasso, how about a word from the Air Force? It's a calling that's kept us free. It's a place to belong. What's the calling? It's doing a job that makes a difference. Serving your community and your country. It's part-time service where the impact is full-time. What's your calling? Air Force Reserve. AFreserve.com. They're off to a phenomenal start. The Sooner softball team is 7-0 and on the season, and one of the big reasons is Sooner hitting coach J.T. Gasso. I caught up with J.T. earlier today. This weekend, and I know that, that Coach brought this up, it just it took a lot. I mean, from you know having to stay a, a little ways away from the stadium to – you know, everything coming together late. How have you seen this team recover and react to not only winning three games, but JT, a weekend that was just so very fluid in a lot of things that had to happen? Yeah, so I I think that we are doing um, a really good job of taking care of, you know, our bodies and, and just getting, like, bouncing back really quick. But also, this team has been so excited to play after, you know, the season went cut short last year. Um, they've just like anything and everything that you have to do to play, they're going to do it. And, uh, so we're, we're grateful to have opportunities to play and, and having the people supporting us to make it happen. So, um, yeah, they've been doing a really, really good job. Speaking of doing a really good job, I, I, I know you're not big on numbers, but, uh, Jocelyn Allo is off to one heck of a start. And the thing that I've noticed is it just, She's doing everything with the bat, JT. I know a lot of people focus on the home runs, and understandably so, but what have you seen in her that's helped her become a more complete hitter? Uh, I think just not trying to do so much. And, you know, 
with this being her fourth year of college softballs, it's that mentality of, um, you know, not, not having to press, um, the, just the extras of, of having to, you know, put the team on your shoulders and feeling like you got to do this and do that. And I think that's all gone. It's made it a lot easier for her to play and, and just really, um, get lost in, in the process of, of being a complete hitter. So, um, it's it's been fun to watch her growth and watch her um, succeed, but uh, I know she she's not content. She wants more, and and uh, she's really showing that. It it seems too, and I don't really know how to quantify this, JT, but it seems as if she's really put in some work in the weight room as well. And I know that we like to give credit to the strength staff and what Dane Summers has done, but it just seems specifically with Jocelyn that she's really committed to the weight room. Yeah, and uh, you know that's one of the things I don't really uh, look at their PRs or look at those numbers like that. It's kind of one of the things that's is when they're on the field, what they're doing is uh, is what they got. So um, yeah, big credit to Dane and and her commitment to to getting stronger and more athletic. So um, so yeah, it's I mean it's one of those. The, it's not a secret, you know. The big secret is just hard work, and that's her big thing that she's committed to and um it's paying off for her how okay this this might be one of those things where you just say that's a dumb question uh and i can accept that jt how do you coach a good eye because it just seems as if this team they're really good at understanding the strike zone uh, if they see a pitch that's – I thought Riley Boone did a great job of this this weekend. When they see a pitch that's fairly close to the strike zone and a two-strike count, they'll do what they can to at least get a bat on it and foul it away. How can you coach a good eye and, and what's made this team so good at it early? Well, um, we got everyone mandatory LASIK. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> no I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no um, I, I think a lot of that has to do with just your approach and, and your game plan and knowing – you know, what, what somebody has. So if you can kind of anticipate uh, where players or, or pitchers are going to go in certain counts and knowing what they're going to do, it's going to make it a lot easier to see the ball. And I think a, lo- a big thing that we've really talked about is just being relaxed in the box and, and, uh, and really trusting that, you know, because if you're tense and you're doing, trying to do too much, you're not going to be able to even see the ball. So um, I think a lot of it, we, we focused a lot in this fall on being really smart um, hitters and just kind of knowing, uh, like I said, being ahead of, of where we think pitchers are going to be and throwing to us, and I think they've done a really good job of that. We talk a lot about Jossie. Uh, we talk a lot about the freshmen, and we'll do so. But we saw, well, Grace Green return on, on Saturday, which we'll get to in a second, or excuse me, Sunday. But how about Grace Lyons and her start? You know, again, one of those now upperclassmen, which seems wild to play. But she's had a multiple hit in every single game, a multiple hit game in every single game but one. And in the one game where she didn't have a multiple hit game, she had four RBIs. So what's kind of been the, the, the key to her? I mean, you've been moving her around the lineup, too, quite a bit. I think she hit ninth, second, fourth. What's kind of been the key to her development and continued success at the plate? It just the same, like they're hungry. Yeah. Like everyone on this team is hungry. And um, I know she, she just wants to continually get better. And she asks all the right questions. It's really easy to have a conversation with her about hitting. And it's one of those things where um, like, 
it's it's advanced. It's not just like, hey, um, what do you think about it? Like, what do you think about my swing? It is more of like way deeper into, you know, where where pitchers are going to be at certain counts. Um, how my swing match up with this pitcher? Uh, where's where's she going to go with runners here? And it's just like way beyond like very like you know surface level um, hitting questions. So she's been awesome, and I know her. Um, demeanor has really uh, rubbed off on some other people too, where they're just trying to get smarter. And I think that's the, been the really big thing about um, a lot of the hitters that you're going to talk about is they've really become smarter hitters to where um, they can make their own adjustments all like on a dime. So in other words, there are deeper questions than me asking, Hey, what's been making her hit the ball so well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's, there is so much information that you have from, Oh gosh. Um, gosh, the, the, the software that you're able to use, the scouting reports that you go through, what's your balance between say too much information and trying to kind of go with the, keep it simple mindset with the swing. What's that balance like for you as a coach JT? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, and I think just in the baseball, softball world, you get that a ton where, you know, you like how do you, with all this technology that's coming out, how do you balance it? And I think um, the big thing is for coaches, how can you take that information and package it into a very simple message? So, um, you know, we use a lot of the data to explain why someone is – isn't able to or able to do something. And so it could be if, if we're looking like, for example, at like exit speeds and we see that somebody's struggling on a certain velocity, then it might be just, Hey, let's work on uh, some timing. Let's, let's get you better uh, you know, on this certain type of pitch. Um, so we don't do, we, we don't like take a ton of information and give it to the player unless they ask, because What's kind of exciting is if they ask, then they know what they're looking for. You know, like, hey, can I see um, my performance on all drop balls? Then they can know. They can. We have the video for them to go back and look, and they can kind of, like, self-diagnose. But um, I take a lot of that information and in our coaching staff, and Sam Martyr does a really good job of, of packaging, packaging that up for us, too, um, and collecting it. But having – having the ability to make it very simple to where they know exactly how, what they need to work on and how they need to work on it has been really um, helpful for us. And the technology piece, the technology piece um, in baseball and softball has been like light years beyond what it was even for like five years ago. So um, we've really kind of, you know, dug into that and, and uh, embraced it. By the way, you mentioned Sam. Sam Martyr has joined the staff uh, after an inc- – I mean, I didn't even realize this until uh, I started digging an incredible career at Ohio State, one of the greatest catchers in softball history. It got me thinking. I mean, with this staff, JT, you know, we could have Aaron Ar- uh, Aravello uh, on the, in the circle. You could have Kelsey at short, Sid Romero at third. I mean, we could have a pretty solid starting lineup with just this staff this year. Yeah, um, minus me, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Coach could play second. Don't, don't yeah, we'd be good. Yeah, she. No, no, no. Coach would be playing shortstop. Shortstop. Okay. All right. Like she wouldn't play anywhere other than shortstop. So you gotta, you gotta remember that. Um, 
So yeah, no, we um, that's that has been a blessing for us. Um, just these past couple of years, having a remarkable staff and um, just ha- having you know Aaron and Sam and um, Kelsey and Sid and th- they're just been superstars and um, that we've been you know putting out some uh, some really good coaches and that's you know been kind of exciting because. Um, you, you go out and you see like Leah Wodak out there doing her thing and Shay and Fale is now doing her thing at Ole Miss. So, uh, it's been, it's been fun to kind of see the development of the people that have been on staff here. JT, good morning. Thanks for joining Chris and myself. What have you seen so far with your team in terms of just the overall landscape that we're in in softball now where players have gotten extra eligibility it's some stacked rosters across the the country and obviously we know that's the case here at Oklahoma what have you already seen with this roster as compared to years past and what do you expect uh, as we we move forward into postseason play with softball the way it's going to be this season and, and maybe into next yeah, so kind of like I said earlier, I've just seen people that have been hungry and they've been, you know, developing kind of on their own and doing their stuff outside of practice and 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 like that. But what's been really really cool is it's been a plug and play. Like we could put anyone in any position and be like, okay, like this past weekend, missing three of our um, the starters from the first weekend, and just feeling like, oh, we're good. Like I don't have to worry about it. And just having like a very different approach, having Riley Boone um, being really good with her short game and getting on base and Jada Coleman embracing that as well, being on base. And it's just like the, the thing that changed uh, that was very different from week one to week two was how we scored runs. And I didn't really feel like a big offensive, you know, you like home run, home run. Like uh, it wasn't like that. But it was we had people on base, and it was it's a lot easier to hit when you have people on base with the walks, and like it, it felt like we were in control of what we were trying to do. Still, a lot of stuff that we got to work on, but um, it felt really cool to know that anyone could step in and be successful. Mm. It was it was impressive to me, and to see how you know, coach and, and you you guys talk through the lineup. I I feel like that Jada's established herself as someone who I. I feel confident, JT, about being at the top of that lineup. But then, you know, two through nine, you could put just about anyone anywhere in this lineup right now. I mean, it's it's in, it's incredibly deep. And we haven't even mentioned, you know, Kenzie Hansen yet, who uh, has had a whale of a start to her season too. Yeah, and one and one person, I um, she had an off, <laughs> and you think off, you know, quote unquote off. She's still above three hundred. Was um, Taylor Snow? Yeah. And I like that's another big piece that I think we're going to see come alive, uh, you know, these next couple weeks. So um, I, it is one of the coolest things ever just to see like next, 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 right. and just knowing how, and they're all feeding off each other too, which is cool. It's not just like one person trying to do this, it is everyone is feeding off each other's energy, which makes for a really, really competitive and um, just connective, cohesive team. Hey, uh, hey, real, real quick before I let you go, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Taylor Snow because I, I meant to ask you this many times. 
But she has been an infielder through a majority of her collegiate career. She shifted and she's played the outfield. I mean, obviously, in, in the craziness of 2021, she couldn't have played infield again. And people are going to be moving all over the place. But she's got a plus arm. What have you seen as, as kind of the biggest challenge for those that are kind of shifting to help out in the outfield when necessary? Uh, and maybe they've typically been infielders, as the case is with Taylor Snow. Um, so it usually takes about, uh, I would say maybe like a week, um, because they're so athletic that they can just go and play it, you know, like Jada, like what, here's what was so cool. Um, I know we were talking about, um, Taylor, but with Jada, like she goes back on a fly ball and she puts her hand out on the wall to like feel for, I'm like, you don't just do that. You know, like, like, uh, someone who's not athletic wouldn't know to do that. And like, with Taylor, it took her a week and it was like the, the really advanced balls, you know, with like the, she in left field, a lefty going in the gap and it tailing away from her um, and just getting used to reading that spin. But like, after, like still in week one, she's throwing people out on, on uh sack flies, you know, she's throwing them out at home plate. She's coming up. She has good glove on, uh, on ground balls. She doesn't like miss a lot of balls. If that makes sense. And anything that's on the ground, she's going to field it. So um, that transition for our outfield, for our infielders going to outfield, it usually takes like a week. So um, just, and it's a week of like just getting reads and getting used to reacting out there. So here's what the schedule looks like this weekend for the Sooners. JT and Oklahoma will travel tomorrow to Arizona. While in Arizona, the Sooners will play two games in Tempe, Arizona, and three games in in Phoenix, the first two games are coming up on Friday, a high noon first pitch, 11.45 a.m. pregame show on the Franchise 2 a.m. 1560 against New Mexico. Then following that matchup, it's, as we're all saying, the G. Juarez revenge game. Oklahoma and Arizona State, listeners. No ill will or ill feelings here, but it'll be fun to see G. pitching in Tempe. This will be the first ranked opponents the Sooners will face this season. Saturday doubleheader starting at noon with New Mexico, then followed up with a showdown against Grand Canyon. Those games are on the campus of Grand Canyon U. And then the Sooners will wrap things up 10 a.m. Sunday morning against Portland State before we finally get to return home. Speaking of returning home, the women's gymnastics team is back inside the Lloyd Noble Center for the first time since January 31st. The Sooners will square off against the Texas Women's University, that's TWU, the University of Denver, and Lindenwood. It all gets underway on Friday night at 6.45 p.m. And Meg McDonald caught up with OU head women's gymnastics coach K.J. Kindler. Two recaps in some capacity today because there was a winter storm last week that felt like it took way too long and we were stuck at home so we will talk about Metroplex and then of course the away competition at NC State so first of all congratulations on win number 400 at Metroplex as the head coach at Oklahoma Anastasia Webb gets a 10 it was a very very good night but starting on vault how did this team build off that Denver meet? I mean, the Sooners went a season best, 198.225. So I guess in general, not just vault, but how did this team build off that Denver competition? Honestly, the excitement of being in Dallas, or I'm sorry, Fort Worth, and having the podium, uh, that all by itself, I think, really elevated our performance. We also had full, full audience, full attendance, so... Um, though it was a 50% capacity, which is normal, um, 
for Metroplex to get about four to 5,000. That's what we had. So it was really, it felt very normal. And, and obviously we all haven't felt super normal this, this season. So um, Vault was phenomenal at Metroplex. We had Audrey Davis doing her one and a half for the first time and she stuck it cold. Like when does that happen? Not very often. Uh, but it was really, it was just really exciting. And then Anastasia, of course, she, the great story behind this is, you know, we always video everything we do uh, with the iPad, right? Well, the iPad was left in the locker room and we missed the 10, <laughs> of course, on the iPad. But um, it was stuck cold, beautiful. And she was definitely, she had a different mindset in this meet. You could see that she was really dialed in and, and kind of competing a little more with a little more freedom, I think. So Vault was just incredible. And that kind of just kicked off a great meet. So the second career perfect 10 for Anastasia Webb, the first on Vault. What was her reaction to scoring a perfect score? Well, I mean, I think we saw it maybe. Uh, we have a video of it, but yes, a lot of fist pumping. She knew, you know, when you land and you do that vault, you know, and uh, her reaction was just that. Audrey Davis, you mentioned she throws the Yurchenko one and a half for the very first time. How long has she been training that vault before you said we're ready to compete it? Yeah, well, she started training this fall, and then we kind of backed off on it a little bit. She's been probably doing it for the last six weeks, um, and we went from soft now to hard and obviously to a point where we felt she could safely compete it. She is very aware on it, um, probably more aware than she is on her full, and she prefers to land forward. So not everyone does, but she prefers that. So this is a this is a good thing for her. We will probably pick and choose when we use it, um, and you saw us put her at the end of the lineup so we would have that luxury of, you know, everyone hits in front of her, let's go for it. Um, we may do that for a couple more meets before we um, slide her into a, a spot within the lineup. It seems like a good strategy right now. And uh, she is one of only a couple athletes that's really even capable of doing a full. Most of our one and a halfs uh, could not do a great full with a good landing because they train one and a halfs um, consistently and don't train single fulls, don't train that landing. She does both. So she's versatile, um, unlike many of our other uh, people in the lineup. So excited to have her do that. And hopefully we'll see that maybe tomorrow night. She, she had a great vault day yesterday. Natalie Brown and I were talking about this during Metroplex that I think a lot of people talk about how different vault and floor are in terms of the podium. But Beeman Bars are really different too. You know, you have an extra level of bounce on all four events. Overall, were you happy with how the Sooners adapted to the podium and and what are you looking forward to to a national championship on a podium? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of teams aren't getting this opportunity to be on podium. We're really fortunate that we had this. Um, and I thought they adapted well, yeah. I, it is. It does take some getting used to. I will say balance beam is definitely different. It has a little more movement. People might, might think beam's not supposed to have movement, but it does have a little movement on the podium, and you have to honestly let your confidence take over because you, you you work on this beam all the time putting it up on a you know on a platform shouldn't change it um, so you do have to really rely on your confidence I think bars may be a little bit bouncier you know maybe a little change to the way it moves um, but I would say bars has probably impacted the least if I had to if I had to pick an event 
Um, I think a lot of people are curious about Reagan Smith. She has not been in any lineups in two weeks. What is the latest on Reagan? So what happened was, uh, to catch everyone up to speed, at the Metroplex, uh, she'd been training a double layout really all fall. And our goal was for her to do the double layout at the Metroplex on podium where it is a little bit more forgiving. She would have that opportunity. And then we could see maybe if it was something we wanted to do in postseason down the road. Um, However, she did not warm it up well, landed short on one of them, ankles a little, got a stinger basically on her ankle. She's looking pretty, you know, much better this week coming back. We should see her on bars on Friday night. And uh, beam, she's starting to do her beam skills again. I, she'll be back. It was just a stinger and... Um, and not to the ankle, many people will probably ask, is this the ankle that she injured at the World Championships? It's the other ankle, uh, which I would say is a good thing. I know it's never a good thing to sting your ankle, but just to know that it's that other, you know, a little bit stronger ankle is probably a good thing for her. Um, but she, as always, is totally motivated and bouncing around the gym like, let me go, let me go. Uh, so she'll be back. Is there an update on Carly Woodard? Yes. Continue, please. <laughs> uh, yesterday, Carly did uh, all her skills, so she is on her way back. Could see her Friday. Will see her senior night, no doubt about it uh, in, my, in my book. But um, it, it could happen Friday. We'll just have to see. She will definitely probably be, at, at the very least, in the alternate spot ready to go um, if necessary. But she's um, feeling confident, looking great, feeling great. So moving ahead to the away meet on the road at NC State, we weren't sure if this team was going to be able to get there. The snow, the ice, it was a mess last week in Oklahoma. You ended up having a pretty good road score, so something to be excited about. But I do want to talk about Audrey Davis back with the full on vault. How often will we see her do the full? How often will we see her do the one and a half? Honestly, it's a in-the-moment decision. Uh, we, she warmed up the one and a half. I, I didn't think it was spot on, and I didn't think it was worth it. So in that moment, we definitely had decided on the full before we went out to compete. Um, and she's on board for that. She doesn't love it because she wants to do the one and a half. Like she, she, Her and I had a conversation. She pushed for it, but at the end of the day, I have to make that decision, that call. And the call's going to be both for Audrey and for our team. So um, sometimes that's tough to hear. You have to scale back a little bit. Um, and certainly we, we want to be in a position where we can let her fly free, but it just wasn't, it wasn't the right day. We've talked about a couple of the injury updates. Olivia Troutman is back on bars. What did you see from the junior? We're excited to see her back out on the competition floor. You know, no one really knows what goes on behind closed doors, but that was a dramatic moment because she was really the alternate and we slid her into that spot after, um, you know, a touch that wasn't great from Vanessa. So the good thing is we have some flexibility there now, you know, um, and we have a lot a lot more people prepared and ready to go on bars. Um, and, and all of them can really score through the roof. So I feel good about it. Um, and in that moment, Olivia just seemed the right choice. She's been doing um, dismounts for a couple weeks now. She's been doing them probably for six weeks into the pit. But then 
hard landings just came recently. And of course, she sticks her first dismount. Who does that, you know? She's been off that leg for 10 weeks. So to be able to do that just tells you what kind of a competitor she is. Like she really can turn it on in that moment. Um, Olivia went in the fifth spot in this meet and she's kind of a lover of the beginning of the lineup. She's, she's an athlete that feels comfortable and likes to just go. Part of the reason I think that is, is because I think she likes to enjoy the event. Once she's done, she can kind of go all in on the other competitors in the event and give her energy to them because she is um, one of our more vo vocal athletes and, and her voice and her spirit is really felt by everybody. So I think that's part of the reason she likes to go first or maybe it's just, you know, get her done. <laughs> <laughs> Will we see her on other events? in the next upcoming weeks or months? Yeah, I mean, we're looking to get in on vault, obviously, and balance beam. Um, but I think those are down the road. Those aren't tomorrow. So um, these are things that will come with time. We have to bring her in slowly. Um, inserting her into the vault lineup will give us those 6-10-0 vaults. And we're looking to do that in the postseason. So we want her to be able to do that then. So we're not going to rush things now. The Sooners put up a pretty big score on balance beam, 49-5-5. How did you like how they closed out this competition? But also, how do you feel about this beam team just really coming into their own as of late? Yeah, the last three meets have been great for them, but this is what they're capable of. I've spoken about that. Um, our, our meet was quite good. We had one small bobble, maybe, or a check from Anastasia on her series other than that, not a single wobble, no steps on the dismounts. I mean, I, I was really pleased. They attacked beam really well. Um, and so, you know, that's what we expect from them. That's what they're capable of. Um, but on the road, a 49.55 is a great score. And obviously ending on beam, um, I, I love being in that position because we may be in that position down the road. Start Even starting on floor, that's kind of a new a new thing to do this season. And so anytime they're getting experience like that, it lends itself to regionals, nationals, where you know your rotation's selected out of a hat. So you can't really control what happens. So I think it's good to get that practice in. Um, and, I, and we were very pleased, obviously, with that performance. Yeah, I have really big opinions about um, seating being selected out of a hat in terms of order events. But that's for another time. Another so do course. I. Yeah. <laughs> Besides the point, I do want to talk about Carrie Thomas in that fifth spot because the last couple of weeks she has crushed in that position. Why do you feel like that is? What is, is it about that fifth spot that Carrie Thomas is really shining? You know, that happened by, we'll call it happenstance, is that a word? And, and it was a, a happy, you know, occurrence. She... Um, she had gone in the first spot before, you know, uh, as a freshman um, at the University of Maryland. She was their anchor on beam. So I think maybe pushing her back has just given her time to kind of have some zen time to herself before she mounts. She's very a very cool character up there. Like, in the meet, I was really impressed with her confidence. I mean, it was pretty obvious that she was in a zone. Um, and she really attacked that routine. So the, her aggressiveness, um, is it the fifth spot? I don't know. Maybe it's just that little extra time to, to get herself set. NQS scores start after this week's competition. As of right now, they're just averaging all the scores. What would two home scores 
that you really like do for this team in terms of rankings, but also postseason seedings as well? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm not really worried about home scores versus away scores. We have some really solid away scores. We can use four away scores if we want to. Um, so obviously, we want to build on the last three performances we've had and how strong they've been. They've been building, in my opinion. Um, and we're still seeing a lot of swaying in our lineup and changes. And so we're not set yet, if you will. So we, we have a lot of growing still to do. And I think we can grow our scores, as you're mentioning, and, and get ourselves to a, a good position um, as far as national rankings are concerned. Uh, but that's not necessarily the goal. The goal is for the team to continue to grow, and if we do that, our scores will follow for sure. Last question for you, KJ. The Sooners are finally back inside the Lloyd Noble Center on Friday. It feels like it's been forever. How excited are you and this team to get back inside the LNC and compete on the home floor? Yeah, we're excited, and it's a quad meet, so you're going to have a lot of action going on. I mean, there you will not be bored. There's no doubt about it. Um, but there's always things going on. That's good for us, again, in preparation for the postseason because that's, that's what it's really going to be about, um, mass chaos on the floor. And so um, that means you're hearing floor music when you're on the beam. You're not hearing um, a John Mayer song or something like that. That means that um, there's a lot of energy in the room, which I think is essential right now with um, the, the attendance going up and down depending on where you go. Um, for instance, at NC State, it was pass list only. So we're really seeing our team go from an attended, attended meet to no attendance. And that energy on the floor just from the four teams really helps. So um, we're just excited to have, you know, to host these teams, give them an opportunity to build on their season. We've seen a lot of teams have to cancel their meets um, due to COVID. So this is a great opportunity for all three teams to get a great road score and excited to have the Sooner fans um, show the great sportsmanship that we that we do. And I think our fans really appreciate gymnastics. And so good gymnastics gets a gets good applause here in Norman. Hey, it's a top 10 matchup with Denver and Oklahoma. Of course, Lindenwood and Texas women's will also be there. All right, KJ, thanks for your time and best of luck on Friday. Thank so you. we're ready for a busy weekend. Thanks to T-Roll for joining us on his drive down to Arlington. Thanks to JT Gasso. Thanks to Meg McDonald and KJ Kindle. We'll have a special episode for you dropping tomorrow. Jessica Cootie had an outstanding interview with Carlin Hartman, men's basketball assistant, and Courtney Paris, women's basketball assistant. And it is so good. I want to share it unedited for you and with you tomorrow on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Plus, we'll see if we can't get Coach Gasso to swing by and give us a few thoughts and post-game from Skip Johnson as the Sooners play tonight down in Arlington. Uh, but that's it for now, man. I really appreciate you guys subscribing. Please leave a five-star review if you subscribe through the Apple Podcast link, uh, or uh, you can reach out to me on email, plankshow at gmail.com. Let me know what you want to hear. Follow us on Twitter at OU on the air, uh, and just have a great hump day. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of the Sooner Sports Podcast. Until then, Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Riverwind, home to a luxury hotel, fine dining, and never-ending rewards. Riverwind is still the one. And Allstate, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Sooner Sports Network. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, 
and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.